Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Life Reimagined, Making the Impossible Possible. I'm Chrissy May, and I'm joined by my beautiful co-host, Catherine Lucadu. Good morning. And this morning, we have a lovely guest on. She's right down the street from me here in Scottsdale, Arizona, a woman I've known for many years. She sells some of the most breathtaking, picture-perfect properties in the Arcadia, Paradise Valley, and Scottsdale neighborhoods. In February of this year, she created a moment of magic, closing on a 17,000 plus square foot estate in Paradise Valley for a cool $12 million. Her Love highest it. sale to date. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's this very same place where she captured her first real estate professional headshots when becoming an agent just five years ago in 2017. And I was there for that magical day. Her charitable acts are just as impressive. She donates to a variety of charities throughout the year, specifically Phoenix Children's Hospital Beach Ball Committee that she co-chaired their yearly gala in 2018. Alongside with her mother-in-law, she's involved with the Amanda Hope Rainbow Angels. They do a number of things, but specifically help comfort children suffering from cancer. And last but certainly not least, just this year, she helped renovate a home for an organization called Streetlight USA, which helps and provides living accommodations and a safe home for young girls who have been victims of sex trafficking. Ladies and gentlemen, our lovely, beautiful soul joining us this morning, Larissa goes by the nickname Larry Hoss. <laughs> Hi. Good morning. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, Thanks that's the first time you. I'm hearing all of that. And <laughs> I'm sure you have heard people to say, you know, wow, so impressive. But I mean, in, in really being authentic, that is very impressive because I think more than just a real estate agent, it shows what a wonderful human being you are with such a big heart that you are involved in all those charities. So I think that speaks louder. I know, you know, the real estate sales and everything, they're wonderful. But I think if that's not supported by a really great human being, then I don't know what all that is worth. You know, I think it's this wonderful mix of the two that obviously your clients see, which is why you are doing so amazingly in just five years, because real estate is a hard gig. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think all of those organizations that we, you know, that I've kind of been a part of, I started, like I said, I think the longest one I've been involved with, with PCH and uh, that that had personal, you know, meaning to me. Both my kids have actually been at PCH. <laughs> so, yeah. and I know so many moms that, you know, that have kids there and have, you know, had kids there. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's good. I think that they all um, have some kind of special meaning to me. So. But my son, my first interaction with it was my son, who is just turned seven, was born with a condition called craniosynostosis, uh, which we did not know he had until he was about two months. And basically all it is, just to make it short, his the sutures in his skull prematurely fused in my womb. So oh his essentially his brain was growing in size. But his skull could not expand because it was already fused. So they, at three and a half months, they had to, he had pretty much brain surgery. <laughs> and uh, it was scary. It was a long journey. But I think he had this surgery in, uh, I remember it was July of 2017. 
And at the end of August, I was involved already. I, I got brought to a committee by a friend. Since then, I, I would have been a part of it as much as I could. <laughs> you know, I think in the recent years, I probably could do more for that organization. I just have been, it's crazy, you know, so you do what you can and I go when mm-hmm. I can, but, but yes, it's very dear to my heart. So. And rightfully so. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Amazing work. Well, you know, our episode prior to this was all about navigating the competition with integrity. And so we bring on a guest once a month that coincides with that topic. And you were first and foremost, the front and center of my mind thinking, who's a top producer in our community that is just all around everything? Like Catherine said, you know, it's one thing to have great sales, but are you a good human being? Are you a person of integrity? Do you have good character? Like those are the traits that people should be striving to be like, not just a top producer in monetary sales. And so that's why we really wanted to have you on and just pick your brain on your journey. It's been short, but oh my gosh, so sweet. I would love to dive in right to the beginning because the way I'm calculating it, your son was in the hospital and that's actually the year that you started in real estate. No, it was 2015 that he was in the hospital. So funny story. I found out I was pregnant with my daughter when I was in my third day of training after I got my license at Sotheby's with for real estate. Wow. And I would and the, I had gone to lunch with a friend. I was like, why can't I stop eating? I had had this chimichanga. I was like, why am I so hungry? And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I this might be possible. And I sure enough, I was pregnant. And oh my God. <laughs> so so I would love to hear, and I, I think we, we always ask this, tell us about your first year in real estate. Mm-hmm. What did that look like for you? So I got my license in 2000, earlier, like spring 2017. Again, that's when I found out I was having a baby, my second child. I was pregnant. I was busy. So also that was the year. So I chaired Beach Ball 2008. 18 is technically the year, but you do everything the year before. So I was pregnant. I had had just gotten my license. And here I was in charge of like this thousand person event in March that I had to prepare for. But I joined a team at the time and they were were great. Everyone was very helpful. Um, You know, I knew them from before. Yeah, you know, I I didn't have a ton of stuff going on. My first, I remember my first transaction was actually a family member of mine, my cousin who lived in Maricopa. And not like Maricopa County, like Maricopa is <laughs> the city that's like, so I would have to drive 45 minutes mm-hmm. there and back. You know, I had to actually, I, it was so hard because again, I was pregnant and it was summertime and I had a, another, you know, I had a two-year-old son. I had to partner with somebody that was closer that could just like, at a whim, just go and show the house for me because it, it was too much. And uh, she was lovely and, and and it was great. And it was the right decision for myself and for my client at the time. We also own a build and design firm. So we build houses and, you know, we have interior designers and, we, you know, we've done a ton of stuff. So even though I had only had my license, of, you know, at that time for less than a year, we, we just knew a lot of people in the industry from that business, which actually was part of the reason I got my license. You know, we had people that lived in a house that we built, you know, maybe a year ago, two years ago. And then you know, their friends were moving here and they're like, oh, well, Larry has her license now. And that's just kind of how it went. Mm -hmm. But it was busy. It was really, really busy. I had my daughter in November and we were home after a few weeks or whatever it was. And then, um, you know, I literally just got right back at it again. It was, I remember if Beach Ball was end of February or early March. I want to say it was early March, but 
we threw on this huge event at the sanctuary and it was amazing and we raised a lot of money and you know it was it was a crazy year <laughs> <laughs> to say the but, least yeah but that's that's kind of how my first year went honestly so it was just a and how did you how did you feel after your first year did you feel like okay i made the right decision to get into real estate or did you find it just super overwhelming i find sort of usually after your first year you kind of sit back and say okay so this is how i want it to go now or oh my god what am i doing why did i get into <laughs> like life is so complicated so i think it was a, a mix of both i i think for me it was very overwhelming because there was a lot of other things going on and I just thought to myself, oh my gosh, what the heck did I get myself into? When I got my license, like I said, we knew so many people in the industry that I, I kind of just did it as I was thinking, you know, I can refer people to like all these agents I know and just do nothing. Like I'll just not do nothing, but like yeah. I've had, I've, you know, we spent, my husband and I, so much time, you know, developing these relationships and friendships we have. And we have such a wonderful network of people. And I said, you know, we, they come for us to advise for advice and buying houses. So I said, you know, if it just means I refer people, then that's great. But it did not work out like that. So we know fast forward a year when I sat with my husband, I said, we need to figure out if like, this is the route we're going to go. Or if we need to kind of take a couple steps back and we hired a living nanny. So that just shows what we decided. So he said, I think, you know, just, we should just go for it. And, you know, my my daughter was a baby at the time still, and we hired her and she's still with us. And that, you know, then we started figuring out ways of how I can, you know, have some help essentially and balance on not riding around like a chicken with my head cut off half the day, you know? So it, it just, that's kind of and what his, happened. <laughs> I mean, Chrissy and I have talked about this in some other episodes. I think that's what women do is before we start thinking about the support that we add into our lives, we keep thinking about how we can up our own capacity. Yeah. Right? We're, we're never <laughs> thinking like, well, maybe I should just hire someone to help me with the kids in the house. It's always how much more can I take on? But then yeah. we get to that point where it's overwhelming and then you're almost resenting the fact that you're getting busy because it's so hard to, to take you know, control of what's going on. So that was probably one of the best moves you could have made um, in order to be able to keep going on in real estate. Yes, it was. I mean, it was step one. And then from there, it just kind of, I hired an assistant. I, you know, things like it was that. And then I think it was maybe like a year and a half later, I hired an assistant and, you know, it just kind of, then from there, I got some, the first person on my team, you know, and, you know, it's just, I, I got a, a transaction coordinator, things like that. So yeah. And slowly yeah. evolved over time into, into yeah. a small but mighty team right now. Four, exactly. Four of you guys. It is. So technically on the team, it's just, I have two other real estate agents. Um, and then I have an assistant and then I do have a transaction coordinator as well. She's not like on my team per se, but she kind of is, uh, she works for lawn. She's my brokerage and you know, I, she helps us with everything. So, so with that being said, did you once you kind of got your bearings and you started delegating the, the family stuff yeah. out and you could actually just start focusing on, on this career, was it still overwhelming? And the, the reason I asked that is because you, you are relatively new, but you know so many people in the industry. Do you think it helped you going in full-time, knowing and having all these, these contacts with essentially your first real you know, year into real estate? Did it help you with the process in order to make it a little bit more easier to navigate? 100%. So 
I was on, on a team initially, then kind of when I went off on my own, I think that's when I was like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing. I was so scared. I had these listings that, you know, we had homes that we built that were beautiful homes. And I was like, how am I going to do this? Like, I don't even know what I'm doing half the time. But yes, you know, I have one of our best friends is a lender. We just have so many friends. So I knew that even though I did, wasn't essentially on a team that I could just say, hey, I need help with this. Or I, I did. I had a lot of people that were able to help me and, you know, in, in that specific area with real estate and, you know, navigating everything with that. So, mm-hmm. but it, it goes hand in hand with what we always talk about. And that's who you surround yourself with and yes, the circle exactly. and the company that you keep are everything. So right there, she just gave us the reason why. <laughs> I have yeah. this question that has been going through my mind. So because you and your husband have designed and built these beautiful homes. Do you ever feel emotionally attached when you go to list that home? Because you know what went into it and you know, you know, the painstaking detail that went into even just the design and and how to outfit it and all of that. No, it's actually quite the opposite. I do not get emotionally attached to homes ever. It's just kind of like the life we build. We build them. Sometimes we live in them. Sometimes we don't. We build them for us. Sometimes we specifically build them for other people. But no, I I honestly don't. I have no attachment to it. I know that we just, we move all the time. It's just part of it. So I actually think that that's good. That probably mm -hmm. means that's why you're so good at your job because you're not emotionally attached to what you're selling. Yeah, no. And and even though we own this company where we, you know, build, you know, our, our two Hawks company, we, I don't, I'm not really involved in the day-to-day of the home building process or the design. I'm actually horrible at it. Like I'm not, like I could not decorate or, you know, furnish a house for the life of me. I just really strictly do, you know, the acquisition of the properties and selling them when they're ready to sell, that kind of thing. But my husband really... I know on the shows, it's usually backwards. Like the <laughs> wife does all the design and the husband's the one selling, but it's, it's quite the opposite with him. So does he ask for your input though, <clears throat> at least? Or um, he will. The one part that I will say I usually am more involved in is when he is doing floor plans. Mm. I think because he knows, you know, our our target usually is families, mothers, you know, mm-hmm. parents. So he, you know, he just will ask me like, what do you think of this? Like, so on that side of things I do help but design he knows I'm like worthless in that so it's not not waste his time (laughs) well I can only imagine what you've had to see too over the last several years as well with like working alongside some of these top producing agents that you've been exposed to so quickly in the business is there any sort of advice you can give to to other agents who are um in that top producing tier you know working alongside some heavy hitters. And uh, as we know, not everybody always comes to the table with, with great integrity and character. Is there anything, any advice you could give on how to navigate that process in such a high, can sometimes be very stressful transaction? So my number one rule always when I'm dealing with, you know, another agent that maybe, you know, is, I don't know, I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is, but, you know, maybe not challenging. Exactly. A little bit challenging. I just have to keep in mind that it's not about me and it's not about that agent. It's about my clients. So at the end of the day, sometimes do I want to say something very rudely to people because, you know, in return to how they're acting? Yes. But 
I cannot do anything to jeopardize, yeah. you know, what's going on with my clients. So I have to just sometimes compose myself and just, you know, remember that this, I am there to serve my clients and that's it. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. I also, you know, sometimes when, you know, you, you deal with certain agents, you, you know, you're going to work with them again. It's just yeah. going to happen. So I do think that there's a way to be stern and kind of, you know, hold your ground in a way without being rude or malicious or, you know, that kind of a thing. So mm-hmm. even if they are being like that, it's just, you know, I just remember, again, it's not about me. It's about our clients. So we just have to move on. Absolutely. Take the higher road. Be a class yep. act. It goes a long way. Yep. Yeah. So, great, adv- great advice. I mean, yeah, I think if you kind of just do that and in those tough moments, remember that it'll be okay. (laughs) It always does, you know, I mean, you have to look at the long game. I think very few people lose sight of that. They're so, you know, thinking about just the quick buck or money coming in or just that, you know, that onesie, twosie transaction. They don't think of the bigger picture and how small of an industry this really is. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows everybody. And if you're in it long enough, you're going to know everybody. Yes. And so, yeah, I, I'm all for taking the higher road. Yeah. And that's why I said, like, you're probably going to end up working with this agent again. (laughs) Like it's just going to happen. It happens a lot. Like, especially in these areas, like with these types of homes and things like it's, it's going to happen, whether it's in a month or in seven years, you're, it's just more than likely it's going to happen. So just, you know, all it does, it just prepares you for that time. Next time that you work with them, you kind of, you know, know how to navigate the transaction a little bit better just because you've had a past interactions with them. So, well, and hopefully they've done some inner work to where they come around and they're nicer. <laughs> right. You would hope so. One could hope. <clears throat> well, and I think that sometimes some of these agents that are selling higher priced properties, they have a lot of stress on them from their clients because their clients have very high expectations of them and, and what they can actually do and produce for them and the results that they're looking for. And, you know, I remember I was selling, I live in an area where the price point is quite high here in Toronto, just north of Toronto. I was doing a deal on the property and this agent, he, uh, he was so challenging to work with. And I finally just said, listen, like, I don't know why this has to be so difficult. And he said, you don't know the pressure I'm under. They're killing me. And I realized that it was just all coming at him. And so every time he got on the phone with me, it was just all coming out. And, you know, and then we would have a conversation where it was just him being normal, just hit, you know, his own self. And so I think a lot of times people don't realize that the higher the value, the higher the emotions can go or the higher the expectations from people, clients, buyers, sellers, and so on. So I think that on top of you know, selling properties at high price points, our skills have to be even better to deal with people. And, and the communication has to be really, really clear in how we communicate everything we want to get done. Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree with that. I feel like the higher the price point, sometimes the, sometimes the harder the transaction is in a way, you know, and I've had that experience where I've had difficult clients or I've had an agent on the other side that just has a very difficult client. And yeah, yeah again, that you just have to work through it. Yeah. Focus on the solution rather than the problem. Yeah. I always say that over and over again. I'm like, there's just, there's a solution here. Let's yeah, just focus on that. You know, a lot of times when things like that happen, you end up going in circles, just circle, mm-hmm. circle, yes. circle. It's just like, it's not at some point you just have to, okay, 
that's fine. You, they feel you feel the way you feel. This is well, okay. So what do we do to fix it? We mm-hmm. have to be in the middle somewhere. So exactly, absolutely. So where are you at right now? Are you just looking at building your team, or are you kind of just letting that organically evolve and and grow? Yeah. So I am always about growing the team. I can use all the help I get, but I do. I don't actively look. I you know I I have a couple people that you know, I, you know, in my brokerage that I know, or, you know, friends of mine that know that I'm, you know, open to having more people on the team and they find someone, they'll say, Hey, you should talk to this person. But I do try to have it more organically happen. I I don't try to force it or, you know, push it. I I think Mm -hmm. I did that once and it was not the best (laughs) thing to do. And it wasn't bad, but it's just, it just, it is long-term that doesn't work. Like they have to vibe with us, they have to vibe with other people on the team. It's not just about me because a lot of times I'm not here and they have to figure it out and work together. So it has mm-hmm. to be really a team decision regardless. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, again, I'm always open. It's just a matter of, you know, finding and getting to know that person first. I feel like it's like dating a little bit. Yeah. Like I say that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm like, you just like, <laughs> I go and I'll like have coffee or lunch and I'm like, oh, I like this person. They're great. And then I just kind of keep in touch. And then maybe we'll do like a follow-up one. And then I'm like, okay, come meet my family. But really, it's like my team, you know, and then, you know, kind of if my family likes something, you know, maybe we'll move on to the next step. But it really is very like much like you're dating somebody. (laughs) I love it. And what what's, you know, we talk about core values. You know, everybody has like their mission and core values. What's something that you look for in someone to bring on to join your team? I honestly think I look for a couple of things. I think the one thing is I... I don't like people with egos. I like people who are down to earth and, you know, because here, like, even though technically, yes, it's, I'm the one starting the team. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we all are going to have to get in the dirt once in a while and do stuff that I just, there's no job that I am too good for. And there's no job that you should feel too good for. And that's just the reality of it. And if you feel that way, then that's okay. It's just not, it doesn't work for us, you know? Yeah. So. That gave me chills because if if more people could adapt that mindset, how much more successful would they be when you think about it? You know, people get so stuck in their egos and they're too good for X, Y, and Z. But my gosh, you get in the trenches, like you said, it's just so much more. part of it. I mean, it's just, you just have to do it. Everybody has to do it. And, you know, I I have a, you know, people on my team who, you know, they, they might have a, and I do all transactions. Like, I, I don't care if like my 18 year old cousin calls me and needs a $150,000 house. We'll, we'll handle that too. You know, I, I don't, I'll, if I can handle it, the workload, we'll do it. And I have a team, team that can help me with it, but I don't think I'm too good for anything. Like I, I honestly don't. I, I'm, and I, as long as they feel the same way, then we're all going to be fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you've come really far in five years. So where do you see yourself? Like, what if we break it down and do like in one year? I, I never go the five years because if someone were to ask me, where do you see yourself? Five, I'm like, I don't know. Have you looked the last five years? Like so much has happened. I would never have guessed. But if we were to make it a little bit shorter, like one year from today, where do you hope you're at in, in any part of your life? Because I never wanted just to concentrate on business, like in any part of your life. And then let's say three years from now, where do you see whatever you're doing now that will evolve into what that looks like in three years? 
my team is um, the girls I have on my team. They're one of them's a little bit newer. The other one's kind of had her license for a while. I think my goal in this year is really to like develop them a little bit more. They're great, but I, I want to help them kind of whatever their goals are, help them get there. Mm-hmm. I think I have time, a little bit of time right now to be able to do that. So that's probably goal number one in a year. I ho- also hope to maybe add somebody to the team. I don't really know exactly who or what I'm looking for. Like I said, I kind of just let it happen. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think as far as real estate goes, I mean, that's that. I mean, and I'm not, I mean, I have transactions that are going to close. I, I don't ever strive for like this number. Like, hey, I hope I sell X amount. You know, it's just, it's so much pressure putting that on yourself. It's unnecessary. Like you work every day, you get up, you work and you do what you can to be successful. And hopefully you get new clients and you just, it just happens. So. Yeah. Okay. And three years, let's see, three years. We just moved again about four weeks ago, which is really funny because we are currently building our own house. So we haven't started yet, but we're, we're probably going to start any day now. But it's right across the street from the house I'm living. Like I could see my lot. <laughs> well, that's convenient. <laughs> like right here where I'm sitting, I can live across the street and see it. So I think in three years, I hope to be in that house. I think that house will be one that we don't move in a year or a year and a half. We have agreed to five years at least, <laughs> which is big for us because I have moved a lot in the last decade. So that and, you know, I hope by then my team is bigger and delegating a lot more and spending yeah. more time with my babies, which won't be babies anymore at that time because my son will be 10 and my daughter oh my will goodness. be seven in three years, if you really think of it You'd that way. you be surprised so. how much more they need you around as they actually get older, I find my son, one son just turned 19 and the other one is going to be 25. And mm-hmm. I, mean, I still remember when they're like four and, and you know, eight. But I, I do realize that they actually do look at they look to you now for different advice as the years go on. And it's interesting how the conversations with them will change as the years go on. Like we'll sit at the dinner table and they're telling us how things are working. You know, out there in the world and, and and even in business, you know, well, that's not how I do business. And I love hearing that because here's that child that you were looking at, you know, across the dining table when they were so young. And now they're telling you how they want to do business because one of my sons owns his own business. And I just it's it's a wonderful feeling as a parent to hear your kids give you back, you know, their own ideas and their own vision in how they see things going. So, but I think that they need a parent who also has had vision in their life yeah. so that they can actually take after that. So, you know, they, they see your husband and all that he does, then they see their mom and what she's doing that will create these wonderful human beings as they, you know, get older and older, because they're going to appreciate the fact that both of you were in business. Yeah. And I mean, I, I actually was, uh, with my son, I stayed at home. Again, I didn't get my license till I was pregnant with my daughter. And I worked my entire life. Like I never had not worked in my life since I was 16 years old. I, you know, just college throughout. I stopped working right after we got married uh, in 2013. Um, and then I had my son two years later. So I was pretty much home for four years. And I, I think, you know, for people who stay home, I've, out of them because it is, I think it is so much harder to be at home 
with these kids than it is like, it, I mean, it, it is, it is. I, and I think some people, I've met people who are just built for it. Like they are the people who like, and God bless them because I don't, I just cannot do that. I, I tried it and I was like, I told my, you know, when I got my license, even if it's a little bit and I'm, you know, whatever it is, like I want to be out there and I want to like work and I like it. So it, but yes, it's uh, I think it's yeah. good, especially for my daughter to see her mom working and know that, you know, when she, you know, when she grows up, she can work too. And she doesn't have to fit to what a lot of society wants her to fit in and she can go out there and kill it and do great. <laughs> yeah. So. We have a running joke in our, like for years, I would tell my husband, I'm like, you know, I, 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 I'm the same as you. I've been working from a really young age and my husband, and I would say to him, you know, it'd be really nice to be a lady of leisure one day where I don't have to get up. And and he looks at me, he's like, you would not last a week with nothing to do. He's like, guaranteed you would not last a week. And I think he's right. Because, you know, even when I have just a couple of days off, I'm just kind of looking around like I should be doing something like yeah. something I should be doing. Yeah. But yeah, no, I agree. I, I just, you know, it, it was good and I enjoyed it while I did it, but it was time to get kind of back in, in it all. So, yeah. Well, it's a good time to get back in it. My gosh, you guys have been just blazing building. Yeah. I, I don't know how you keep up with it. All. <laughs> we have a bit, we have a lot of support where, yeah. you know, he has a huge, uh, he's an office with a lot of employees. And again, I, we have a lot of support from employees, family, just friends everywhere. So it, it's not just us, that's for sure. It's a whole bunch of people that make this happen. And you sure have a big enough family. Or <clears throat> what One of your points that oh, yeah. you sent back to me, <laughs> I couldn't believe yeah. it. Her dad is one of 21 children, all from one grandma. Can you wow. <laughs> Wow. Oh my less grandma. I know. So it, we have we have this joke in our family that her first 19 children are from my grandfather. And then she had three more with her next husband. I'm like, how? Like how? Like he gave up. He was like, okay, I'm good at 19. And then here she goes. He's like, well, I'm not quite done yet. So let me have three more. It's just a lot of children, but Wow. Yeah, we have a huge family. And are they all local <clears throat> to where you are or is everyone spread around? They're kind of spread out. I have some in California. My family's originally, we're, we're, even my parents were born in Mexico, you know, so they, we have some family in Mexico. They're just kind of everywhere. I have some family in Alaska. I mean, with that many <laughs> yeah. cousins and they're yes. everywhere, kind of yeah. a little bit of everywhere. But yeah, yeah. they're, you know, we're, but we're still remain pretty close and uh you know, where anytime there's like a wedding or something, it's just like so many people, but it's fun. It's so fun. <laughs> that's, that's a reality show in of itself when you yeah. think about it. Like, it's incredible. I know. That's amazing. It's, yeah. It's, it's an, it's a little crazy, but it's great. I mean, it worked. So what do you do just to like kick back and have fun and get away from it all? <laughs> you can. I know you travel. I do we do that. travel. We travel. One of our goal this year for my husband and I was just even if it's like a two-day trip to Sedona or whatever <laughs> we kind of need just to kind of you know we work together a lot mm-hmm. so you know it, at home it's a lot of work you know in real estate it, there's no like that was gonna be one of my next questions this is your work so close together <clears throat> you know and it's just a lot so we you know it's nice to just leave and do nothing we went to Sedona I think it was I don't know a few months ago 
I don't really remember when. I think for two days we went. Eighty-five percent of our trip, we just left. Just <laughs> literally net watched this scary Netflix show in the middle of the woods and slept the entire time. I did, we didn't even like. We tried to go to dinner like I just didn't want to get up and get dressed and do so. We just watched TV and slept. Literally, that's all we did. But in addition to that, I, you know, I have my girlfriends and like I went to dinner last night with a friend and I, I mean, that's really what I do. I just like, you know, I don't talk to my friends on a day to day usually Mm -hmm. because I'm busy and they're busy and it's hard. So it's nice to just catch up with your friends once in a while. I try to go to the spa, you know, every month or two or so just for the day, like actually be there and not try to work. But I mean, that's really all, you know, to, for just to do stuff. That's kind of what we do, you know, so. Well, it's definitely working. So (laughs) stick with it, right? I mean, in a very high paced, high stress environment, it's, you definitely have a lot of chill factor. So, you know, whatever you're doing, it's working. (laughs) I try. It's it's just always, you know, it's busy. And Mm. I learned, I am learning still that, you know, if, I'm not okay or not, no, not okay. But like, if I'm too overwhelmed, I should say, or just, it's just too busy. It's just, there's people that depend on me not not just my children, not just my husband, but like my clients, like they, so I can't be half functioning to be good at what I do. So a lot of coffee, get some <laughs> sleep. So I work out once in a while. To, I think that helps also with the stress, yeah. you know, aspect of it all. So Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's the best stress reliever, I think. Yeah. I Get outside so and take yeah. a hike. And ab- yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, if you could give one piece of advice for agents specifically wanting to break into like the luxury market, because I feel like a lot of agents that come on the scene want to get into that, right? That's always like the the diamond that shines for them. What would be, I guess, your top tip or a few that you could help guide them into positioning them to be a successful real estate professional in the luxury market specifically? So I think there's like not one thing. I, I'm going to probably tell you a couple of things that I think, I think one thing is you have to surround yourself with the people you want to work with. And maybe you're not in that crowd or you don't have that network, but you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So figure out how you can start, whether it's, you know, I don't know, just, I always tell my girls that, that work for me, like that are on my team, that like instead of sitting in an office and like in front of a computer, go sit at a cafe, go to happy hour together. You'll meet people. You will. You just will. Like you will meet people. You are. You will be so surprised who's who you see, who you you'll meet. It's just you guys are. They're beautiful and they they're they have beautiful personalities. Just go. Just go make friends. Yeah. That's really where it starts. And that will lead to one thing and lead to another. So that's my number one rule is just be out. When I first moved to launch at my current brokerage, I did, I was by myself. It was the first time I was without a team and I was terrified. I would literally drop my children off at school at nine. And from nine to one, when I had to pick them up, I would sit at Schmooze, which is in our office, essentially. It's all one thing. And half the time I wasn't even working. I didn't even have that much to do at the time. I was paying bills or doing stuff for the kids, doing sign of geniuses for whatever it was. But people saw me and I met people and I interacted with people. 
and it gets you one it gets you to know people it gets you comfortable talking about real estate yeah. I feel like a lot of people in the beginning are like so scared that they're gonna someone's gonna come up to them and say what's the average square foot like no one <laughs> asks that but like it's like a gen fear you know <laughs> so that's one thing I think just being out and about and doing stuff um and then I also think like just kind of what we're talking about like having integrity and you know carrying yourself in a way that if you have one person that you know you you get the one person you get your first luxury present you have to remember that that person will probably have a friend one day that will also need to sell their house or buy their house and you need to do the best you can and make yourself memorable somehow or another figure out what works for you and what is genuine to you because that might be different for everybody and do that so you are so work obviously work and do good but throughout the transaction you just you have to make people remember you because there's so many agents Mm -hmm. and you will get lost real quickly in that pool of all those agents if you don't do things genuinely but different that's really what i would say (laughs) great advice and it also tops to provide a closing gift of a 15-foot saguaro cactus yeah that doesn't hurt either no (laughs) so that's i did i i actually once got a client a cactus for their closing gift and i it's so funny because it's giant and i i I had called my landscaper i said hey jeff i was like i need a cactus he's like excuse me what i was like (laughs) and you like like a like from the grocery store i'm like i'm like i need like a big cactus like people love cactuses and you know they're not they're they're from you know they're not used to cactus they're not from arizona like they really want a cactus in their front yard he was like okay and he went and found me a cactus, you know, and, and, you know, saguaros, it was a saguaro, big, big one that you can't like get rid of those. You get a ticket. Like if, so you have to like, it's a whole process. You have to like move it and like let people know you're removing it. So the whole ordeal. But anyway, the day, like two days after they moved into their house, they had a 15 foot cactus. In front of them. It's great. But see that they'll never forget that. Right. They named yes. the cactus and everything. And you know, every time they drive in their house and there is a cactus that lady you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's just because I got to know them, who they are. And I knew that they like cactuses. And yeah, I mean, I, my thing is, is I, people get closing gifts and I think this is probably my favorite part of my job is putting closing gifts together. Usually, you know, cactus was a really one-off thing, but like, I always put something together for my clients, a little basket or whatever it is. And I've had so many people offer to do it for me. It's like the one thing of my job that I like, love, not that just the one thing, it's probably my favorite thing is that, that I get to handpick things for my clients based on what I know mm-hmm. about them. You know, I have like little things that I always repeat, like the same candle, but like I always throw something in there, a couple of things in there that just goes back to our relationship, whether it was through the transaction or, you know, if we were friends before, just because... I mean, I just like to make them personal, every single one. And I love it. It's just my favorite thing. But I, I love that. Do you, since you get to know them so intimately, do you also set them up on, like, how do you keep in touch with them every month? I know a lot of agents will do like the drop, the drip campaigns. You know, they have emails that go out or, or videos. Do you do that? Or do you create more of a personal experience and just pick up the phone and say, you know, hey, how are you doing? It's been a while. So it's a little bit both. I mean, I have like my newsletter and I'll add them and that goes out to everybody, you know, but I think probably one of the reasons I've done really well is because I do things throughout the year 
to kind of engage my either current clients that I'm working with and a variety of things. It could be different, but I, I, tr- I try to do different things that, you know, whether it's, I just go to coffee with them. I just, and honestly, like that's probably part of the reason why I think I should grow my team because I think that's where I'm, I do that very well. Mm-hmm. So I need more time to do that is I just like, I, I like talking to people. I like sitting with people. It's very rare that I have a client that I don't stay friends with my husband laughs because I I'll have my kid's birthday party and there's like a hundred people. <laughs> He's like, how? I'm like, well, because it's like their school. It's like, it's like, because we're, I'm friends with these people. Like, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, they like, you know, get to know me, get to know my kids. And it just, it's a small community here. So mm-hmm. it's just either I already knew them somehow and I'm just getting to know them more or, you know, or they're new to me, but we'd stay friends or, you know, that kind of thing. So. But yeah, I mean, that's, so I do do a lot more than just newsletters, like a lot. Um, yeah. It's the power of relationship building. It sounds it like it's, it's not, it's not that hard, right? It's taking effort and taking genuine concern in someone else's life. Yeah. And it's time, it's time, but mm-hmm, you know, sure. you should make time because these are the people that believed in you and trusted you with something so big, you know, and you should make time for these people, not just while you're working on their house or whatever after too like you know it's just part of it so we and i i actually enjoy that too so it's instinctive for you it's just it's an, it's already who you are as a person it naturally came out over the years you didn't have to go read in a textbook or yeah. to figure it out and it and it's it's it still amazes me that a lot of agents don't pick up on this that you know it's it's really very simple you just have to start really caring about people yeah. more That's and it. and you can be a success in any industry with that mindset yeah. so I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. It's been so lovely having you on. It's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was uh, nice to meet you virtually. Yes. (laughs) And good to see you, Chris. I feel like you live here and I never see you. I know. I'm sure I've seen you at passing. I know. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. We really appreciate your time and it was wonderful. And I know that our audience, I'm sure, gained uh, some insight just into the, to the life of a luxury agent and that it's it's really not all about ego you know it's about the people and the relationships yeah. at the end of the day and it's like you said you'll sell a hundred and fifty thousand dollar property or an 18 million dollar property or whatever it is and it's still just people yes mm-hmm. all the same i mean they're the end of the day it's you just have to you know it's they're all the same yeah they might one might be able to afford a house and all honestly, it's the same thing. So I love it. Thank you. On that note, we will be back next week with another episode on designing a life you love. So definitely come back for that. Thank you, Larry. Have a beautiful weekend. Thank you guys too. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Bye. Bye.